This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Welcome all of those that are joining us online. <laughs> Glad to have you here with us. Great, great uh, season at New Song Church. Brand new year in front of us. A new calendar, full of opportunity. Amen? Amen. And I believe God's going to do some incredible things as we jump into this year. Tonight is blocks. uh, And I encourage you to be here tonight. Sarah is bringing the word tonight, and it's going to be good. She's at home right now preparing for that. So uh, come ready. It's going to be great. If you've got your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're beginning a brand new series today called The School of the Spirit. And I am so excited about this series because... Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and his role in our life, who he is, what he wants to do. And guys, if you don't know, let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit is so, so critical, so crucial to our life as believers. The role that he wants to play in your life is is so important. In fact, Jesus said this about him. He said he would be the helper. He would be the helper. Jesus said uh, that he would, he would be one that come alongside you and walk with you in life. Jesus said he would be your advocate. He would be your comforter. Jesus said he was gonna, and you were going to be empowered when the Holy Spirit, when you receive of the Holy Spirit. And no matter where you find yourself today, I want you to know the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of your life. And he wants to strengthen you and lead you and guide you and walk with you and help you to be who it is God's called you to be. And there's no area of your life that is off limits to him unless you make it off limits to him. But if you welcome him into your life, he'll help you in any area. He'll help you be a a, a better father, a better mother, a better parent, a better better student, young people. He'll help you to be uh, a, a better leader. If you're a business owner, he'll help you to be a better employer, but help you to be a better employee. Like he, he wants to help you in your life if you will welcome him into your life. And that's, and that's not all. And like, I know it sounds like an infomercial right now, like, but wait, there's more, but it really is true. There's so much he wants to do in your, in your life. He wants to help you to live out the, the freedom that Jesus Christ made available to you. He wants to help you to walk in love. How many of you know, like after you get saved, just because you made Jesus Lord of your life, that doesn't mean that like now you're just going to be like a nice like perfect person. You may realize that? I I love how Charles Stanley says it. He says this, our salvation doesn't automatically keep us from being mean, jealous, hateful, or angry. It's only as we ask the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, only as we yield our nature to his nature, only as we seek to be his representatives on the earth in every relationship we have, that we're going to move beyond pride into the behaviors that establish peace. God wants you to be a peacemaker in this world. And it's through the help of the Holy Spirit, a yielded life to his leading and his nature and his character that you can walk that out and be who it is God's called you to be. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you. He wants to help you walk in what the, the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit, which I'm going to list these off. And as I list these off, if you can relate to like maybe needing some help in these areas, you know, like give me an amen or something, all right? He wants to help you walk in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Somebody say, praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit. 
He wants to help you with this. Now, I know there's probably some of you in here, maybe you're new to New Song Church. Welcome, by the way. Glad to have you with us. Uh, but maybe you're new to, to New Song, you're new to the church, and you're hearing me talk about the Holy Spirit right now, and you're going, Ur. like, <laughs> you know, I've seen some stuff, I've heard some stuff, and I'm a little, little reluctant about this Holy, this Holy Spirit thing. Well, well, so you know, you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You don't be, have to be afraid of where we're going as a church, uh, because the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is God. He's God. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and they're all in unity, in Trinity, together as this thing called the Godhead, which is all in one. And it's, it's hard to explain, but just know this. He's God. In fact, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 14. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will send you another helper. Another. That word another is the Greek word alos. It means one of the very same kind, same nature, almost a duplicate. So I doubt any of you are afraid of Jesus in here, right? So if you're not afraid of Jesus, listen, you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit because he's just like Jesus. And so you don't have to be afraid that like the Holy Spirit is some weird force that's going to take you over and make you do weird stuff. Like that's, that's not where we're going in this. But we do want to help people know God. And the Holy Spirit is the God who is with us in this earth who wants to fill you and empower you and strengthen you for what God wants to do in you. So over the next several weeks, we're going to take you to school. We're going to the school of the Spirit. We're going to help you have a greater understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what He wants to do in your life, and how to work in partnership with Him in your life. It's going to be so, so good. I'm excited about it. Today, as we kick off this series, though, um, I want to talk to you about some, a little bit about the Holy Spirit, but really next week is when we're really going to start diving into who the Holy Spirit is, what he, came, what, what he is here to do, and how we begin to partner with him in that. Uh, but today, I kind of want to set the tone for this series, but beyond that, I also want to kind of set the tone for what I believe God is saying to us as a church in this year. And so I want to talk to you today about balance. Somebody say balance. If you're taking notes in your Being Transformed journals, which I hope you have, the new red Being Transformed journal that we're starting today, 21 days of prayer and fasting over the next 21 days, we're going to be working through the entire New Testament. It's going to be so good, but get that out. Write this down. This is the title of my message. Better balance, power, and practices. Better balance, power, and practices. And when you're writing it down, I want you to really emphasize that word and. I want you to make and big. Maybe make it caps, circle it underline it, make a big deal out of it because it's a big deal. The and is important because it's not, listen, it's not just power that we need and it's not just practices that we need. And, and the danger, what we've seen in the church is that people tend to go into either one ditch or the other. They get so focused on power and, and goosebumps and moves of God but they don't have any of the practices in place. Or they get so focused on practices that there's no power and it's, and it's dead. But it's not one or the other, it's both working together. It's power and practices. Look at the person beside you and say, we need some balance. Better balance. So we're gonna talk about today, we're gonna talk about some of the new covenant realities that are available to us through Christ Jesus that help us to walk in balance and be the church God has called us to be. All right, Acts chapter two, bow your heads, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and for this new year that's in front of us, God, for this new opportunity, these, these days that we can fill in. Lord, we wanna fill them in with you. And so as we come to your word this morning, God, we ask you to reveal the truth to us. 
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be the loudest voice in this room. I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about, about Jesus, about God, about what God wants to do. I pray that there would be a fresh revelation of who you are, Lord, and what you want to do in our lives. God, we know you've called us to do something that impacts this world. We know we can't do that apart from you. So we say, we need you. In fact, if you would right there, just put your hands out in front of you real quick and just say, Lord, speak to me today. Well, I thank you that you will. You'll speak to every person, that you'll make this word a personal word for them to take with them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. We're living in uh, an interesting time in, the, in church history, specifically here in America. You know, globally, the church is doing pretty good, globally. Like the church is growing, the church is expanding, uh, the, the church of Jesus is, is making an impact. But in America, the church is declining. In fact, they say that this year, one million young people will walk away from the church. And the reason why they walk away, when you, when you boil it down and take all the factors into what they're saying, why they're leaving, it really comes down to this. They find that church is not compelling. Now, that's interesting to me because, because it, the church is supposed to be a vehicle through which Jesus is made known, right? Through which people hear the message of Jesus see the image of Jesus. Like that's, that's a major part of what the work of the church is supposed to be. And, and when I look at the life of Jesus, like just so you know, Jesus was not like a non-compelling figure. In, in three years of ministry, he impacted the world in such a way that it still impacts the world to this day. During his three, and it was just three years of ministry that he was doing this. During his three years of ministry, when he walked on this earth, crowds of people followed him. And they followed him because he was displaying something compelling to the world. He was displaying this, this power. He was walking in this power, power to heal, power to, to, to set people free, power to raise people from the dead. That was compelling. He, he, he displayed this, this power in how he spoke. The Bible talks all the time about the authority he spoke with. And he spoke in a countercultural way to a world that knew the culture, culture of the world was broken. And he was speaking truth and revealing something to the world. And they were, people were looking at this and hearing this and, 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 and some people were excited about it. Some people loved him. Some people were afraid of him. Some people hated him. But people weren't bored with him. He was compelling. And so we're called to be the church of Jesus in this day. So we're called to be image bearers, that people would come to the church and they would see the image of Jesus. We're called to be message bringers, that people would come to the church and they would hear the message of Jesus. And yet people are coming to the churches and saying, this isn't compelling. And I don't think it's because the world has kind of graduated to this place where that ancient Jesus is no longer interesting. I think a greater truth is probably that we're not displaying an image of God that we should be displaying. We're not sharing a message of Jesus that we should be sharing. And so we got to kind of get back to the beginning. And that's what Acts 2 is. In Acts chapter 2, we see the church kind of at its birth and we see some things taking place in the church that we need to get back to as the church of Jesus in this day and age. And let me set this up for you. What kind of happens leading up to this point? Jesus has died on the cross. He's been resurrected. He's, he's been with his disciples. He's been talking to them. Before all this, he's been talking to them about this promised one who's going to come. And he tells his disciples, you're going to go into the world and you're going to preach the gospel. But before he says to do that, he, he gives them one final statement. And his final statement is this. He says, wait. Somebody say, wait. wait. He says, wait, I want you to wait because I, I'm, I'm glad that you have the message of the gospel. And I know you're a little bit excited about this, 
But this mission I've called you to is a co-mission. It's a great commission, which means it's a mission that you're to do in partnership with someone. And so I want you to go and I want you to wait because there's someone I'm sending to you that's gonna help you in the mission I've called you to walk out. So it says this in Luke chapter two, starting in verse one, a great shift is getting ready to take place here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated or were cloven or split and came to rest on each of them. Notice each person gets a fire. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So a shift, a new covenant reality shift is taking place right here. Where up to this point, God has been an external God and a distant God. But now he's becoming an internal God and a close God. Up to this point, what people have experienced with God is God is on a mountain or God is in the temple or God is in the Holy of Holies and only certain people can get to God. And and in order to relate to God, you have to relate to him through do's and don'ts, through thou shall not and thou shall. That's how you relate to God. So God is external, he's distant, and you relate to him through the actions that, that you can fulfill in your own strength. But now God is shifting that. This new covenant reality of God not being out there, God being in here is taking place. And now it's not about what you have to do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And it's not about you shall and you shall not. It's about I will. I will put my spirit in you. And I will help you to walk in my commandments. And I will cleanse you from sin. And I will put my laws in your heart. This is the new reality that we have in Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, write this down. Because of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, living for God is not something you have to live up to in your own strength. It's something you live out from with someone you live out with. Leave that up there, guys, so they can write it down. Because of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, living for God is not something you have to live up to in your own strength. It's something you live out from with someone you live out with. The shift is taking place. This shift from this kind of omnipresent God who's everywhere present, and he still is to this day, to a inwardly manifest presence of God that is within us and that's working through us to make himself known around us. So so what does this look like? Okay, let me me try to explain omnipresence versus what's now the reality. In the Old Testament, it's kind of like this. Imagine that you're going to play some pickup basketball. So you go to the YMCA, and, uh, you know, you get, you get four other guys and you put together a team and you start playing and you're playing this other team and they are just beating you up. Like they're, they're, they're better than you and they're beating you. And all of a sudden the doors open and Steph Curry walks into the gym. Steph Curry, you know him, NBA superstar, Hall of Famer for the Golden State Warriors steps in and he goes over and he sits on the bleachers. So now there is someone in the gym who is very skilled and very powerful when it comes to the game of basketball. So you're playing and he's kind of watching. He's on the sidelines. And all of a sudden he decides to come into the game and he steps in the game and he steps onto your team and he starts just doing incredible stuff. And the whole tide of the game begins to shift and he's making shots that no one else can make. He's doing things that no one else can do. And, and all of a sudden you go from like getting beat by this other team to now you're beating the other team. This is kind of what it was like in the Old Testament. God is on the sidelines a lot. He's not flexing all the time. 
But then every once in a while, he'll step in. He'll step into the game and he'll come along and he'll kind of turn the tide and shift and make everything change. And all of a sudden, his people are now winning and getting ahead. But then he steps back out and the people begin to slowly start moving back into failure. That's the Old Testament. But the New Testament is a little bit more like this. You're in the gym playing basketball and all of a sudden, Steph Curry comes up. He walks in the gym and he pulls your team over the sides. He says, guys, I'm about to breathe on you my ability. I'm about to breathe on you. And all of a sudden, after you receive of this, you're going to be able to go out there and play like I play. You're going to see the court the way I see the court. You're going to have my talent, my ability, my strength. And he breathes on you. And now you can play like Steph Curry. Now the game has completely changed because the ability needed to fulfill and walk in victory has now been birthed into you instead of it's just something you rely on externally. You follow me? When God initiates the new covenant, it does not happen in a temple in Jerusalem. It happens in the people. The place of the presence of God is now manifest in the hearts of the people of God. So now God can manifest himself through his people who are the temple of the Holy Spirit in this world. In the Old Testament, God's up on a mountain and he's distant and he's far away and, 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 and people are afraid of God very often. In the New Testament, everybody gets a flame. Everybody gets a fire. And people's reaction to this fire is awe and it draws them to the Lord. And so you think about this, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you would think, listen, you would think that when a bunch of us who are now in the new covenant relationship with God are the temple of the Holy Spirit, when we would come together in an atmosphere like this, you would expect that the manifest presence of God would be on display, wouldn't you? Yes. You would expect that we would see God doing things and working things and making things happen that shouldn't we experience an encounter when we come together as the people of God, as the temple of the Holy Spirit into a place like this? We should. Because God wants to be real among his people. God wants to be known among his people. God wants to be seen among his people and for the world to see through his people. But sadly, that's not always the case. Richard Owen Roberts says this, the sobering truth is that the greatest hindrance to the growth of Christianity in today's world is the absence of the manifest presence of God from the church. It's a sad reality that today in, in the church as a whole, now I'm not necessarily talking about New Song, but in the church as a whole in America, a lot of people are showing up at churches and they're not encountering God. And, and like at the end of the day, like isn't that what this should be about? Shouldn't people be showing up to church and encountering and coming into the presence of God and having a connection with God? And if not, what, like, what are we doing? Because people don't just need another talk. People don't just need another cool song. Like, if the presence isn't with us, we're not really the people of God like we should be. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament where the children of Israel have sinned against the Lord. And it's this long, crazy story, but... God's brought them out of Egypt, and as he brings them out of Egypt, he actually blesses them in such a way that the, the Egyptians that have held them captive want to get them out of Egypt so bad that they're like, here, take some gold, take some cattle, like they give them all this stuff. And the, the children of Israel rebel against God later down the line because Moses is up on the mountain, they think he's dead, they get afraid, 
And so they take all these blessings that they've received from God as they exited Egypt and they mold them into a golden calf and they begin to worship this calf and say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Stupid people, right? And so God is upset with them. He's angry with them. And he goes to Moses and he says, listen, I'm going to give you the promise. You can go into the promised land, but I'm not going to go into the promised land with you. And Moses reacts to this. And he says, if you're not going with us, we don't want to go. And then he asks a question. And it's interesting. He says, how will people distinguish us from anyone else? Know that we're your people if you're not with us. Now think about this. There's a lot of practices in the life of the Israelite people at this time that distinguish them culturally from the rest of the world. They practice circumcision. Nobody else is doing that. They, they practice eating this diet that's very strict, this kind of kosher diet that God's given them. No one else is doing that. They, they live their life by this, these 10 laws, these 10 commandments that they're going to operate and function under. They're, they're doing, no one else is going to be doing that or doing that. There's lots of things culturally about them that separate them from the rest of human culture. But Moses realizes like, that's not enough. Our cultural practices that are different than the rest of the world are not what distinguish us to the rest of the world. What distinguishes us to the rest of the world is God is with us. We need the presence of God. A.W. Tozer says this, the truth is this, that God never fathered his church apart from the Holy Spirit. We should be anointed with the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We are taught by the Spirit. The Spirit then is the medium, the divine solution in which God holds His church. I don't know where you are in life today. I don't know if you're brand new to this Holy Spirit stuff or maybe you've been walking with the Holy Spirit for a long time. You're a Bible-thumping, tongue-talking person. I don't know where you find yourself or anywhere in between, but I'm letting, I want you to know something. For this day and age, for this season that we find ourselves in, we all need a fresh and filling and revelation of the Holy Spirit. We all do. We all need this. And yet, so often in the church world today, in the American church world today, the Holy Spirit is pushed to the side. He's pushed to the corner and he's told to be quiet and only speak when spoken to. Years ago... Um, I got a call from a church. In fact, it was one of the biggest churches in America reached out to me. And they said, we want to fly you in and we want to have you spend a few days with us because we'd like to hire you as our youth pastor. And at this time, man, I was, this was a season for, for Sarah and I where we were so like on fire for God. We both grew up in church. In fact, I grew up in a home with parents who were in ministry. Uh, but for me personally, I never really like owned my relationship with God. I just kind of rode the coattails of my parents a little bit. I believed in Jesus. I believed in these things, but I never just really, really owned it. I kind of like inherited my walk with God. Just so you know, it don't work that way, okay? Can't do that. And, and so because of that, my life was kind of a mess, and I found myself in this really uh, bad place. But out of that, I turned to the Lord, and, and so did Sarah. And we went, man, we went all in with the Lord and we were on fire for God. I'm telling you, we were, we were so on fire for God. And we, in, in this season, one of the things that we came to realize was the importance of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life, how important he was. And, and I'm telling you, we would, I would read my Bible at night and I would pray and Holy Spirit, I know you authored this book. Would you speak to me through it? And I'm, the Bible was just jumping off the page at me. 
I, I, I was take, I mean, it was crazy. We were at church every time the doors were open. We were filling up notebooks with notes. We were chasing after God with everything we had. We were fasting. We took communion every day together. We, I mean, we were all, we were chasing, Lord. We'd go and pray and God, we want to help people know you. And we're hearing the voice of God, like tangibly hearing the voice of God in ways that you cannot deny. And so we were on fire and we wanted to help people know this God that we came to know. And so when this opportunity comes up to go to this church, it's one of the biggest churches in America. And like, I'm not kidding. Like one of the biggest churches in America reaches out to us just out of the blue and wants me to come. I'm thinking, this is God. Here we go. This is an opportunity for me to go and have this platform through which I can help people come to know this Jesus and this God and walk with the spirit like, like I'm experiencing. So we, we flew uh, to the city where this church was and uh, we got off the plane and we're driving over to this restaurant immediately to meet some of the leaders of the church. And I'm like, for real, like Sarah and I are looking at the city and we're like, we're going to live here. Like we were in, we were, we were pretty much there already in our minds. We show up at this lunch and we start talking and they're kind of talking to us about, you know, where we're at, what's going on in our life. And, and out of that, because what was happening in our life was, was so powerful and, and real to us, we started sharing like what the Holy Spirit was doing. And I'll never forget this guy who's the number, the number two guy in this church that's one of the biggest in America looks at me and he says, you know, we believe in the Holy Spirit here and we practice, personally, we practice, you know, walking in the gifts of the Spirit and with the Spirit. We just don't talk about it at church because we don't want to scare anybody away. And the Holy Spirit is, you know, some, some people get a little nervous about the Holy Spirit and we, we just don't want to scare any people. So, so we practice it personally. We just don't share it with the church. And I remember thinking, well, crap. <laughs> this ain't it. But then I also thought, you know, okay, maybe I'm just reacting. Maybe this is right. Maybe, maybe God's going to use us to change this. I don't know. I was young. And, I'm the, and the other thing is I'm there for like two more days like hanging out with these people and going to meetings and looking at neighborhoods. And I mean, they've got this whole thing planned for us. And uh, so I thought, I guess I'll just, we'll, we'll play this out. I'll see what Sarah says. And so we get in the car after her and it's me and her. And I start the car and I look over at Sarah and she looks at me and she goes, this ain't it. <laughs> and I, I want you to know something. God reminded me of that moment this week because for, for me and for Sarah, I want you to know that is still our heart. I, I don't want to be a church. Like, we didn't go. We, walk, we, we walked away from that opportunity. When there wasn't another opportunity on the other side of it at that time, we walked away from that. Because we didn't want to be a part of a church that said to the one who had helped us in so many ways, helped walk me out of a pornography addiction, who helped helped us, enable us to, to hear the word of God in a new way, who was changing our life. We didn't want to be a part of a church that said, we'll practice that personally, but we won't share it with you. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. That seems fake. And, and actually, the Bible warns us about this taking place in this day and age. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, we're warned about this last day's church. It says, they will do things that make it look as if they are Christians, but they will not receive the power that is for a Christian. Now look at this. Keep away from such people. 
so me and Sarah kept away from those people. And I want you to know, we, we don't want to be a church where what distinguishes us from the rest of the world, God with us, where we, we're a church that says, hey, uh, God, God, the Holy, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, go get in that corner over there and speak when spoken to. And we're not going to talk about you. We're, we can't completely deny you because, you know, we, it's, you're in the word, but we're just, there's parts of you that make us nervous, God. So you stay over there and keep your mouth shut and speak when spoken to. That ain't going to be this church. You can applaud the Lord for that. But here's the thing. I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches that have taken on that mentality. This quote's amazing. A.W. Tozer says, in most Christian churches, the spirit is quite entirely overlooked. Whether he is present or absent makes no real difference to anyone. Brief reference is made to him in the doxology and benediction. Further than that, he might as well not exist. Our neglect of doctrine of the blessed third person has had and is having serious consequences. Look at this. For doctrine is dynamite. It must have emphasis sufficiently sharp to detonate it before its power is released. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is buried dynamite. Its power awaits discovery and use by the church. The power of the Spirit will not be given to any mincing assent to pneumatological truth. Big word. The Holy Spirit cares not at all whether we write him into our creeds, into the back of our hymnals, he awaits our emphasis. For a lot of churches today, it's, it's, it's performance, it's technique, it's leadership dynamics, and it's dead. It's powerless. And listen, you can get a lot done. You can get a lot done with some good strategy, without the power of God in your churches. But I believe those days are coming to an end. And I believe that the reason why people are walking away and saying this isn't compelling because our strategy is not compelling to a lost and dying word. It's the spirit of God alive in his people that is compelling to this world. First Corinthians 4.20 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So listen, New Song Church, in 2023, we need the power of God. In this house, yes, we need the power of God. We need God showing up. We need the presence of God to be manifested and made real to people who know there's got to be something more than just a strategy. We need power. But, but listen, we don't just need power. We need power and we need practices. We need practices that enable us to take this power that God has given us. And it's not just being used so that we can get goosebumps and have moments, but it's used to help bring about the kingdom of God in this world, to bring about formation and transformation in people. Because it's great that you get goosebumps during a great worship set, but if you're struggling with sin and you need change in your life, you don't just need a, a dose of the Holy Ghost. You need some practices and some teaching and some training to help you in that. And that's what we see in the Acts 2 church. It goes on to talk about how they take this, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit and they begin to use it. And it's through the use of that that they begin to start seeing in partnership with the Holy Spirit that they start seeing change take place. Look at this, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. There's some practices. Now look at this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. As they take this, this wind of the power of God, this flame, this new fire that each one of them has, and they begin to move it into practices, practices like, like, like teaching and, and fellowship and breaking bread and prayer, all of a sudden miracles and, and the work of God starts breaking out and people are generous and, and, and people are being saved and people are being healed and, people, and miracles are taking place. Why? Because they've taken this strategy They've taken this gift of the Holy Spirit and they're using it with practices to bring about kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, life to the world. So it's not just power that we need, it's also practices. And this is important because like I said earlier, the problem that has taken place in a lot of churches is you get the people that just emphasize the power and you get the people that just emphasize the practices. And a lot of people get really excited about the power. And they have moments of genuine encounters with God where the power of God is on display and they, they feel God. And then they begin to build a camp around that and they don't grow from that. And it becomes like power tools in the hand of a toddler. You got a, you got a toddler, you hand him a running chainsaw. How many know some people are going to get hurt? Because they don't know how to wield it. They don't know how to use it. Or let me also let you know this. God's not going to continue to pour out his power on a people who aren't willing to grow. And so those people that want power and can't get it to happen because they won't grow, they start coming up with fake power. And this is where we get stuff like barking in the spirit. Not a thing. But it takes place. Why? Because people are too focused on the wrong stuff. It's not one or the other. It's together. It's power and it's practices. We need both on display in the church. Because what distinguishes us, what makes us the church of God is not just goosebumps. It's disciples. What, what's going to determine whether we're successful is what kind of formation is taking place, what kind of transformation is taking place in this house. Neil Cole says this, ultimately, each church will be evaluated by one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as her disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are if your disciples are passive, needy, consumeristic and not radically obedient, your church is not good. Neil Cole ain't playing. And you know why? Because God ain't playing. We need, we need practices. We need both the power of God and the practices of God for this to, for us to be the radical, effective church that God has called us to be. Dallas Willard says this, the general human failing is, is to want what is right and important but at the same time, not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action. Listen, it's not, it's not that wanting the power of God is wrong. We want the power of God. I want God to show up here. I want people to have encounters with God. I want that. Each and every week, I pray for that. God would show up. I'm, I'm worshiping today and praying. Lord, we thank you that as the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're going to show up in this room and minister to people and speak to people and heal people and set people free. I want encounters with God. But look what it goes on to say. We know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. So what people can, can fall in this ditch of is, we got the Holy Spirit and that's all we need. That's not true. We need the Holy Spirit, but we also need stuff like teaching. Teaching. 
Why? Because we live in a culture of lies and we need to know the truth and be empowered with the Holy Spirit. So when the lies come, we can identify them through the word by the spirit. We need relationship with other people. We need to break bread together. We need to fellowship with other people. Why? Because we live in a world where there's division and, and there's, there's factions of people that are disconnecting from each other and we're villainizing people and there's so much cynicism and hostility. And so we need to open up our life and be with other people because it's, it's as we connect with other people by the Holy Spirit that we begin to see stuff in us and through them that helps us to see what God wants to do in this world. We need, we need practices like prayer in our life. Holy Spirit inspired prayer where we pray, not just God help me, God save me, God I need, but we pray like kingdom come, will be done prayers in this world where God uses us by the spirit of God to pray prayers that affect a generation and bring about revival. God needs that happening in this world. So it's not, it's not one, it's not just the power. It's not just the practices. It's both. We need both. We need power and we need practices. What the world needs, what the church needs is Christians who are practicing the way of Jesus, being formed into the image of Jesus in the world, living out what God's called us to be, salt, light, and love in this world. And that only takes place in partnership with the Holy Spirit, practicing formation. Formation. Formation takes a process. You know, we're, we're in a new year. I'll be real with you. I'd like to lose a few pounds this year. Be real. Anybody else? But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to come down this morning for prayer and say, hey, I'd like to lose 10 pounds. Would you just pray that that will supernaturally fall off me in Jesus' name? Yes, come on. No, why? Because it don't work that way. You know why? Because if, if God just supernaturally takes 10 pounds off me without teaching me what's necessary, then I'm going to find that 10 pounds again, I promise you. Or if I'm in a bunch of debt because I've made a lot of bad decisions and I say, Lord, would you just bless me with $10,000? I need $10,000. Lord, just give me $10,000. Like God's not gonna bless you with $10,000 if you're not a good steward because what you're gonna do is as soon as he gives you that $10,000, you're gonna find a way to find yourself right back in debt again. So, so what we need, we, we need to get over this idea of like this kind of like zap me theology approach to God's work in our life where we just kind of say, hey, we need spiritual growth. Presto, give it to me, Lord. It's power and practices. Paul says in Ephesians 5, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And later on in 1 Timothy 4, he says, train yourself in godliness. Be filled and, and be being filled. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Why? So that by the Spirit, with the Word, you can be trained in the godliness that's necessary for life. God wants us to look like him. God wants us to bear his image. So we need power. We need practices. We need the power of God. We want the power of God. We want the presence of God. We want the Holy Spirit to breathe afresh and anew into each one of us. But we need practices to go along with that. Here's what you get with power. Through power, you get encounter. You get passion. Power of God leads to passion in your life. You get anointing. Anointing allows you to be more than you could be on your own. When I come up here to preach, I preach under the anointing. It, it enables me to, to share with you what needs to be shared with you so God can speak directly to you. We need breakthroughs. We need manifestations. We want God to manifest himself. We want people to be healed. We need, it, it creates urgency. It creates crowds. 
People get excited when they start saying, hey, God is moving over there. We want that. It creates crowds. And, and we see the gifts of God through the power of God. But we also need practices. What do we get with practices? We get formation. We get discipline. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. We get process. We get skills. We get sustainability so that we can maintain what God's given us. We get commitment. We get health. And I've seen so many churches that so-called operate in the power of God that are so unhealthy and abusive. And we get character. And when we get this, when we get these two working together, we get history shaping, changing community. So God's looking for people. I, I, a great example of this in scripture is Paul. Look at Paul. Like Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Paul could, could talk to the leaders of the day. He knew theology. You don't write two thirds of the theology of the New Testament and not know theology. But beyond that, he was also working and practicing power in his life. He was, people were healed. He could go into a room and spot faith. He, people were raised from the dead under his ministry. Like it, it, these two things were just integrated in his life. And God needs some, some disciples like that in this world we're living in today. Disciples who are integrating both the power and the practices of God into this world. We need this. Now, let me, let me be real with you. This is rare. Like churches that are doing this in the world we live in today, it's a rare deal. It's, it's not very often seen. And one of the reasons it's not seen is because the enemy wars against this. Like he knows how powerful and how potent a church can be that gets this. And so what he's going to do, he's going to try to, to get us focused on the wrong stuff. He's going to try to create division and confusion and isolation and, and separate us from all this. But I believe this. I believe we can be this kind of church. Amen. But in order for it to happen, it, it's not just because I want it. It's not just because my wife Sarah wants it, because some of our leaders here want it. We all have to go after this. We all have to be a people who say, we're going to chase after the empowerment of the Spirit and the power of God and, and the presence of God, but we're also going to be a people who are practicing the way of Jesus, chasing after Him. So you know what? we got a lot of stuff here, a lot of practices that you can get on board with. And I want to encourage you to do. Like as we go into this year, my encouragement to you is just go for it. Like like, just go for it. Like, get in the game. Like with the Being Transformed Journal, we're, we're going through the entire New Testament in 21 days. What if you did it? Like, what if you really did it? And as you're doing it, it's not like, let me just get through this. But it's like, Lord, I'm gonna encounter you. I'm welcoming you into my life. I'm gonna go through this and I'm gonna ask you to speak to me as I do it and show me things and reveal things to me. What, what if you really did it? What if you did this, this fast and you really went for it? You didn't just try to kind of make yourself feel good about doing it, but you're like, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna seek the Lord. I'm gonna spend extra time in prayer. I'm gonna sacrifice some stuff. I'm gonna lay down some stuff so that I can be drawn more to God because this way I've been doing it, 2022 was fine, but, but I know there's more and I want more, so I'm going for it. What, what if you show up tonight at Blocks and you come expecting God to speak to you, expecting God to move? I hope you're expecting that. I'm expecting that people are going to be healed tonight. I'm expecting that some of you are going to get a word from the Lord that's going to set you free and change the course of your life. I, I'm praying that God ruffles some of your feathers. I want him to ruffle my feathers. Listen, I know I don't know it all. I don't got it all figured out. There's areas in my life I need change in. I know I need change. And sometimes I can't see it. And so I need the Holy Spirit to come alongside and ruffle some stuff. We need to get ruffled up a little bit. 
So Holy Spirit, come, do your thing, ruffle me up, whatever you gotta do. I wanna follow you, I wanna know you in a greater way. I wanna encourage you, like get on board. When we're doing classes, discipleship classes, equip classes, like get, why not just go and, and bring a notebook and take notes and chase after the Lord. When worship, you have an opportunity, worship the Lord. Get in a small group, get on a serve team and expect that as you do these things, as you do these practices, like these practices are great, but we can't buy into, okay, now I'm doing all the practices. I think we got this from here, Lord. No, no, we're doing these practices and we want the Lord to strengthen us in them. So as I serve, as I get in a group, as I do these things, Holy Spirit, come and show up in the middle of this stuff and change what needs to be changed and empower what needs to be empowered and show me what needs to be seen. Be the helper Jesus said you would be. I welcome you into my life. Listen, I, I don't believe that God has called us to live in this day and age when a million people are walking away from the Lord just so we can steadily watch the church in America decline. I don't think that's why we're here. I don't think we're here in this day and age just so we can uh, get into these kind of... Uh, cultural arguments that exist that are kind of, you know, of not that great of importance. I don't think that's why God's called us here. I think God's called us here to be agents of change, empowered by the Holy Spirit, bringing about his will on earth as it is in heaven. So what does it take? Here's what it takes. A yes. Like, I don't know about you, but I, but I, I got a yes this year. Like I'm saying, I'm, I'm re-upping in 2023. Jesus, I'm in. I'm in. What you want to do for this generation, I say yes to. What you want to do in 2023, I say yes to. What you want to do in your church, I say yes to. What you need to change in me, I say yes to. I say yes to you afresh and anew. And that's all God's asking from you too. Will you say yes? Will you be a person who says, God, whatever you want, I'm yours. Whatever you need, I'm yours. I'm all in. I want to be an all in rare church that changes the world. Somebody say, let's go. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done, what you've accomplished that's already been accomplished. Thank you for the cross and what it means. Thank you for the gospel good news that we carry that says salvation is available. And Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this helper that you sent to be alongside of us. Over these next several weeks, Lord, I pray that for just more and more revelation. And Lord, we say, we declare, and if you're with me in this, I wanna encourage you just where you are, just declare this from your own mouth. We declare, we wanna be that rare church. We wanna be that church that functions in the power of God with the practices of God, where the formation that you wanna bring about in this world comes to to be. Lord, where, where the transformation, Lord, we know that in order for this world to look like heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. In order for that to take place, change has to take place. So Lord, let it start in me. Let it start in me. Let change begin in me. Break down those lies that I'm believing. Those, those cultural truths that I bought into. Lord, we know we need more than just good songs and cute talks and we want the presence of God. We want you. And so Holy Spirit, we re-up, we say yes to the call and we invite you. I pray, Lord, that your presence would be made manifest in this church like never before. I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to take place in this church in your 
people. I pray, Lord God, that when people even step into the parking lot of this church, that they would sense the presence of God. They would sense the love of God, that they would walk into this room and before they can even pray a prayer, that they would be healed, that they would be set free, that they would get revelation for their life. And we pray that you would do something that shakes up our community, that shakes up these high schools and these junior highs in this city, that shakes up our workplaces. Well, we pray that a move of God would take place. And we invite it to take place within us. So Lord, we say we're all in. We're all in. We're chasing after you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We give you glory and honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to invite the altar ministry team to come down at this time. Encourage you, man. Be here tonight for blocks. It's going to be so good. Be here all three days if you can. Show up for midweek prayer. We've got, well, it's not midweek prayer. It's midday prayer. Monday through Thursday. Be here. Pray with us. We're praying for revival. We're praying for change. We're praying for breakthrough. Come and be a part of that. Pray for your, pray for your schools. Pray for your families. Praying for change to take place. Maybe you're here today and you need prayer. If that's you, we'd love to pray with you. That's why these guys are down here. We say a new song, if it matters to you, it matters to God. We'd love to join our faith with you for whatever it is that you're believing for. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord like you should. Maybe you came to church today because it's a new year and your you're, you're, way you're doing things isn't working and you know you need something, to, something's got to give and you sense God calling to you. I want you to know He loves you. He loves you. And He sent His Son, God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be free. And if you've drifted from the Lord or maybe you've never come to know God, we'd love to pray with you. These guys are down here. All you got to do is come down and let them know. Say, hey, I'd love to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'd love to commit my life to Jesus. And we'd love to lead you in a prayer for that. And we'd also love to equip you with some tools and help you get planted in the house of the Lord and do some of the things that are necessary for you to walk that out in the world that we live in today. But maybe you're here today, you're dealing with sickness in your body, you're dealing with pain in your body, you're, you, need, you need wisdom, you need whatever it is. If it matters to you, it matters to God, amen? Because you matter to God. And so we'd love to pray with you, join our faith with you for whatever it may be. Would you stand with me? If you need prayer, this is your time. You can start making your way down to the altars. If not, let's just uh, take this moment and just intercede and worship the Lord one last time. Lord, we thank you uh, for what you're doing in this house. And I, I just pray if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice that has a prayer need of any kind, that you would help them to step out in faith so they can receive all that you have for them today. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.